Todd has been sending us these kind of one-off shovelman related fragments of document collections as he pursues his own scholarship. So he's writing a book about how the richest American of all time, Andrew Carnegie, was using model casts of his own dinosaur finds presented to foreign leaders as gifts to spy on those nations for President Theodore Roosevelt and the U.S. Army's Military Information Division. But in doing that research, Snosh found a trove of letters between one of the shovelmen, Captain Habakkuk P. Mott, and a member of Lincoln's inner circle and the president's spiritual advisor, Bishop Matthew Simpson. From those letters, we now know that. First, the shovelman likely began digging near a place called Walbright Creek in southern Wyoming. We know they encountered large numbers of dinosaur bones as they began digging the bunker. We know they eventually realized they could use those bones as the structural foundation and scaffolding and even protective roof of the bunker. And we know they mapped out a 5,000-square-foot living and working space that could hold President Lincoln and 50 members of his government. So Snosh sent along two letters this week, one from Simpson to Mott from December 1864, and then Mott's reply two months later. So Simpson's letter details the success of Major General William Tecumseh Sherman's March to the Sea. He tells Mott to keep the engineers working on the bunker, but hints that it may never be necessary, that things look less dire for Lincoln's safety and the future of the Republic. Mott's response in 1865 is serene. He reports that the shovelmen are elated that their side is winning the war back home. But interestingly, he does not say that the rest of his unit is homesick or even asks when they might be returning to the East Coast. In one section, he writes, quote, We have had another fine winter down here with our large boned friends, though I suppose they are really just large bones. They have kept us safe, but have also kept us company. We have come to see them as protectors, these ancient beasts, and several of us are hoping to bring our families to these parts after we are discharged. I personally have become close to a Gorgosaurus, whom I refer to as O Marvelous One, and who I am particularly excited to introduce my young boys to, and by introduce I mean sacrifice. So those are some interesting details from Todd Snosh this week, sort of taking an interesting turn in the early deep state. We really need to get Todd Snosh as a guest, I think. I'm very curious about his archive and where he's finding these letters. Uh, I keep asking him, but he says he's busy. Um, so in the meantime, I am here with my regular co-host, star of Spoiled Treats with Clifford Hanger, Mr. Ford Hanger. Ford, built Ford Teff. So I saw this week in a publication called marketinginfluencer.hub uh -huh. that Spoiled Treats had broken into the top 15 YouTube unboxing channels. It did. And then you probably, if you read the rest of that article, you know that I'm suing YouTube. You're suing YouTube even though you've broken in. Yeah. Well, just because I'm making money doesn't mean I can't sue someone. I'm suing YouTube for, um, they told me that I'm making too many videos per month. And they're not sure that me showing unboxing videos of me talking about the box for which an item came from warrants monetization. 
Well, yeah, but that's your whole, that's why you're unique, right? You, yeah, that's you why unbox. I know why I'm unique. YouTube is saying I'm not. YouTube is saying I'm wasting their platform. That doesn't seem like something that they should be involved in, right? I mean, the, the, this isn't is it up why to I'm the viewers? Them. Yeah, it's supposed to be up to, you know, the people, as it were. But uh, YouTube has decided that um, me unboxing boxes and talking about, you know, uh, double ply uh, carbon uh, footprints and whatnot, uh, stapled edges and uh, right angle twi- twigs. Apparently that's not uh, worthy enough to have monetization on my account. So um, I can't talk too much about it. Just know that YouTube, I'm coming for your butt. They might consider that their customers are partially your, what, 750,000 subscribers? Mm-hmm. 756 subscribers. Enough to get you in the top 15. Top 15. Shouldn't they be loyal to those subscribers and let you... They should let me do whatever I want. What you want, yeah, which is unboxing the boxes. Yeah, I'm bringing in 756,000 people every week to watch me unbox something, throw away the item, and talk about the boxing and the packaging. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm uh, <clears throat> uh, the uh, amount of harassment I've gotten from just a couple of emails from YouTube has been... <sighs> To say the least, it's been stress-inducing. Do you know how many of those 750,000 subscribers are people in the like cardboard industry or staple industry? Um, that's a funny question. Well, a, lot of the, a lot of the names on the commenters seem to be cardboard or printing-related. A lot of like um, brown brown clowns and um, what, what can brown do for you? Plastic Forever. Are they? They're, they're called Brown Clowns? Yeah, that's some of the names are like Brown Clowns, Plastic Forever, um, Package This. This one guy called Package This. Like, I can't get him to stop commenting. I mean, it, like, you tapped into a segment of, uh, I mean, that's what YouTube is, right? Or that's what the internet is, really? It's like segmented. Segmented groups of people who, in the real life, don't have friends. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. Well, good luck with Thank that. Thank you. If you would like any more background about our season... On the Deep State, you can listen to our first episode or go to our website, optophobia.org. Unfortunately, our scheduled guest for this week, uh, Sunburst, Montana-based genetic counselor Jordan Raggle, was unable to make it, which was a giant bummer because Jordan's theory that Deep Staters are genetically different from Americans who live in the other 50 states is getting a lot of traction on Reddit, and I was really excited to discuss that. So as I thought he was going to give me some answers. Right. It sounds like he has them, but Jordan also, this is interesting, leads a community of bear dancers in Montana. Where he oh, I've heard about that. Yeah. So these are, these are people who go out and find grizzlies in the woods. Yeah. And then they put on house music and they dance. And they them. try to dance with the bears, right? Most of them die. Well, he had his left arm ripped off mm-hmm. and his back partially gouged mm-hmm. out. So, but that's actually a um, like you're not considered a bear dancer if you haven't been mauled. So, so he's now officially one of the bear dancers. Okay, so that's cred. Yeah, woods cred. Yeah, it's woods cred. Well, I'm happy for him, I guess. Oh, I'm ecstatic for him. I hope he can recover. Yeah, so hopefully we'll get him on when he's back in uh, fighting shape. Well, he'll never be in fighting shape, but dancing shape. Yeah, dancing shape. So matters not uh, because we were able to secure an amazing guest. Charlie is here with us. Charlie, welcome to Optophobia. Hello. Oh, hello. I have danced with bears. Oh, you're Russian. Wow. I know. I'm from Virginia. Oh. The mountains of Virginia. Okay. Blue Ridge? Yes, the mountains. Okay. 
Well, that's cool. Charlie, tell us a little bit about where you're from. Tell us about the Virginia that you knew growing up. Yes, uh, I grew up on a farm. I had sheep, goats. I had one chicken. That chicken was my best friend. Standard farm. Yes. That checks out. It was uh, nice. I swam. You what? I swam. Oh, I thought there was an H in there somewhere. You said swam. Swam. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, growing up in Virginia, you have a southern accent. You do have a very thick Virginian accent, yes. and it's coming through. I have not heard a Virginian accent this thick since General Cornwallis was down there. Exactly, yes. With them boys. Yes. What was the name of your chicken? Charlie. Your your chicken's name was Charlie. You named the chicken I after named, yourself. I, I have the best name, so... You were named after the chicken, or the chicken was named after you? The chicken was named after me. Okay. I have the best name. So yeah. obviously, if the chicken is the best boy, the yeah. best boy gets the best name of Charlie. Can I just, I just want to double check. So you're a boy. <laughs> I am uh, Charlie. Okay. I'm just, I just didn't want to, I don't want to be offensive. You can, you can, uh, you can say he. Okay, I'll say he. I'll say he, Charlie he. So, Charlie, you, you grew up on a so – so it was a kind of farm where it was mostly animals or were there also crops? What kind of farm? There was, was also people. There was people on my farm. Uh, we didn't have any crops. We just had – it was uh, – yeah, mm, there's a word uh, uh, da, 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 commune. Mm, okay. Yes, it feels – yeah, I've I've read a lot about this communes and farms. It goes hand in hand. Now, a lot of farming actually gets done, but a lot of sex happens. Oh, yeah. Everyone, we like to say uh, people that are uh, intimate. Mm-hmm. They're just close. It's the closest relationship that you could feel with another human. Yeah. Personally, I had I had Charlie. So my chicken. Hold on a second. Are you, closest relationship is intimacy. You had Charlie. I'm, I don't want to touch this one. No, as a kid, she meant she had a pet. Yeah, as a child. Oh, okay. Pet, oh, my God, I'm thinking something terrible. Well, right? Charlie lived 22 years. Wow. So 22 years yeah, for a chicken. you could say we were high school sweethearts. Now, I assume that's because everyone was like, wow, Charlie and Charlie, best friends, they hang out every day in high school, and there's nothing sexual that has to go with that. It's just you guys were just good friends. Yes, we are. Uh, you know, we loved each other, okay. and I knew parts of Charlie that, oh, I only knew. Charlie knew parts of me that uh, Charlie only knew. It was just Charlie and Charlie. Just yeah. In farming communities like that, when you're in high school and your best friend is a chicken, Duh. I would imagine that it isn't so weird for the other the other kids because they're also farm kids and they probably also grew up with animals who were their friends. Duh. I had an acquaintance from down the road. He had cow. He was as big as cow. Did you know cows? What was the name of your friend? Your acquaintance? Eight feet. Eight feet tall? Eight feet tall cows. Is that when they stand on their hind legs? No, they're big. You don't kill a cow, it becomes eight feet tall. It becomes eight feet tall? Mm -hmm. A cow? A cow. That's You stand next to cow, cow two feet above you. I could never be friends with a cow. Yeah, most people are six feet tall. Right. So... Can I just ask the name of your acquaintance who had this eight-foot tail? Barney. Barney? Barney. I'm going to go out on a limb. What was the cow's name? Barney. Barney. Yeah, okay. I thought so. Again, you have a best boy. You have your name, best name. You have best friend, best boy. Best name, best boy, yep. You become Barney and Barney. Yeah. Charlie, on the commune, were 
when you were growing up, it sounds if Cliff is correct that call me Ford. If Ford is correct, if there is a lot of uh, sex going on on this kind of commune that you grew up on as a child, is that now that you're adult, do you think back on it as just sort of like hippie freedom, or was it traumatizing? I have uh, four fathers. And I have... Uh, explain that real fast, because you said it like it's a normal thing. So yeah. just I know, explain how you have four. I then. have four fathers, and uh, I have g- garnered multiple parents. Just so as a child, I had, you know, 15 role models who were my parents. Oh, are you saying you have four fathers, like the yeah, founders? four fathers. No, 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 no. Like no, the no. founders of the country? The founders of me. I have four. I have Rob. Yeah, Rob. Kimberly. Kimberly. This is the father. Janet. Kim, Janet. And Bert. Kim, Janet, Bert, Rob. Okay. (laughs) Yes. You grew up at commune. You are all family. And those are your fathers. Yes. So we are unsure of whose sperm found what egg. Okay. So it's a Mamma Mia situation. You've never thought of just getting a DNA test real quick? I uh, don't trust needles. I don't trust blood. I've worked with a lot of it, and I know what you can do with it. So, uh... I refuse to have anyone take mine. To take your okay, that makes sense. I just, I just think that modern medicine is a wonder, and I feel like we should, um, you know, use all the uh, technology. Oh, stuff I agree. Have. You have no idea what I know. I, I don't have an idea of what you know. Let's take a quick break, and we will be, we will be right back with Charlie. Hey, optophobes. It's not happening as much these days, but everyone knows the feeling. You walk into a party by yourself. The friend who invited you sees you, comes over, gets you a drink, and introduces you to a group of people talking. So far, so good. But after a few minutes, that group dissipates and you're alone. At a party where everyone's having fun. And you're alone in the middle of a bunch of half-drunk people who are beautiful and probably work for banks or law firms or movie studios or tech companies that build the apps where you buy the movie tickets or popcorn butter manufacturers or the Twizzlers Corporation or Milk Duds Limited. And you're alone. And you can't quite make yourself just walk up to another small group of strangers to say hi. Fear of making an ass of yourself by talking is super common. That's why Blend Venom Solutions created Chinchilla Death Adder Oil. We make this highly effective lube by combining the venom of the common death adder with the flower of the Acacia chinchillensis, both native to the grasslands of eastern Australia. The common death adder has the longest fangs and fastest strike of any Australian snake. A dose of its venom blocks neuromuscular transmission leading to loss of muscle control, paralysis of extraocular muscles, abdominal pain, and enlargement of regional lymph nodes. The common death adder uses ambush rather than stalking to catch its prey, covering itself with leaves and using its yellow grub-like tail coiled near its head as a lure. Next time you go to a party by yourself, apply chinchilla death adder oil in your armpits and behind your knees. Enter the party, grab a drink, and just stand in the corner. Within 10 minutes, other partygoers will see that you've lost control of your eyes and bowels and that your neck is bulging. All of a sudden, chinchilla death adder oil has brought the party to you. 
Blend Venom Solutions. We take away your fears using snakes. Okay, we're back with Charlie. Uh, Charlie, you were telling us about life on the farm growing up and your best friend, Charlie, the chicken. Yes. I'm curious, well, if your life was sort of that remote in Virginia, how you first heard about the deep state and how you got into what you do now, which is, I I believe, as a sports coach. Yes. uh, So I swam. And the farm, we had a lake and I would run, I'd swim, I'd run to the lake and I'd swim and I swim and I swim and I'd come back and, you know, it just helped me kind of clear my head. And so I uh, was drafted. I was drafted to swim for a university in Charlottesville. Okay. When I arrived, I met a man who said, I have other opportunity for you. And I uh, followed him. I, some of my memories have been, uh, you know, modified. But I woke up the next day and I was in, uh, I was in the deep state. How did you know? Well, you wake up and you're just in this big old bunker. And they said, we want you to swim. I had four people in front of my bed. They said, we want you to swim. And so, you know, there's pools. There's hot tubs. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of water down there. You would not think. But there's caverns. They flow... They kind of flow in and really, like, get into the deep state. So the water system uh, makes you question. Well, see, that's what ties into me a little bit because you know this, Coot. I was kidnapped from the deep state and sent to upstate New York in um, Saratoga Springs. What's what's Saratoga Springs known for? Water. Do you have a pet? I actually do. I have a a snow fox. fox. You knew I was going to say something. I did. It makes you think. So, Charlie, you wake up in this bunker. At what point do you understand why you've been brought there? So, uh, let's just say, growing up, I was with, you know, I had four fathers. They were all into different things. Uh, Can you get their names real fast one more time? Yes. uh, We have uh, Bert. Bert. Rob. Rob. Bethany. Bethany. Jane. Jane. Yes. Yep. So without identifying uh, which of my fathers it was, but one of one of uh, the four uh, was into uh, and dabbled in mind control, very into MK Ultra after uh, watching Stanley Kubrick's Side Shut, and so uh, I wanted to be a proud, you know, I wanted to be a best boy. Mm-hmm. So I took after I took after one of them, and I uh, became affluent in the mind activities. Uh, I think this was found out, and I think that's why I was in the deep state. I uh, ended up training not only the body, but the mind. Wow. Can you do any of that mind stuff now? Could you do some on me? Haven't I already? Oh, crap, Coot. I would, how would we know? I'm just kidding. No, oh, I have okay. Not. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh, that man. requires a whole setup, a room, a puzzle. You have a lot of Probably things. consent, right? Very important. Yeah. I don't want you going in my mind if I'm not saying okay for it. So yes. please don't go in my mind. Duh. Putting that out there now. Okay. So was getting you into the deep state as an athletic coach or trainer, was that just a cover to really get you in there as a mind, as some sort of uh, mind trainer? So I don't want to sell myself short, okay? I'm a very good physical trainer. 
Okay, I've produced Michael Phelps. Okay. I produced I know who him. that is. Yes. I know who that is. Yes, some other uh, major... He smokes weed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he does? Or do you think the deep state planted weed on him to get him to stop being an oh, athlete? Oh, my mm. God. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Now it all makes sense. He uh, wanted to uh, talk about what was happening. This is the same that happened to me. That, this actually makes sense. He is like a freak of nature. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like I always saw him at the Olympics. I was like, he looks like he was made somewhere. Yes. He doesn't look like he was born and then just worked hard. He looks like he was designed somewhere. Did you stretch his arms? Is that what happened? Yes. So we have these uh, pools. They pull and you put them on the uh, pool. And then just kind of medieval, you know, the medieval people, they had it. Yeah, they had they some had, good ideas. They had some good ideas, and uh, we've taken them and we've turned them into a uh, athletic-producing machine. Because the United States could not look like chumps. No, not in the water. No. No. Not in the water, not on the mountain. Sean White. Yeah. We dated. Oh. I dated. Wow. You, yeah, but you, it was quiet. You dated Sean he White. He does not remember because I had to wipe it. And you're a best boy. My Charlie. Yeah. My Charlie died and I had, I was going through something. So these are these are athletes that come from the constitutional state. Somehow they are brought down to the deep state in order to train and then they're brought back up just for the Olympics. <gasps> yes. Oh my god. Yeah, where do they go? I have a question. This is now freaking me out. Between 1993 and 1995, Michael Jordan took a break from basketball to play baseball, quote-unquote. He was terrible at it. Was he, in fact, in the deep state getting, you know, reconfigured, and then he was sent back up to win three more titles? Yes. Jeez, that all makes sense. Why else would he take a break in his prime? Who was playing baseball? We well, make- some some shell of Michael Jordan, because this person was unathletic on a baseball diamond. Yes. This person looked like they couldn't play a sport at all to save their life but put a basketball in his hand and all of a sudden it unlocked like almost like it was like watching math move yes we have programming uh there's programming i should i say oh we like God. i'm still there they've disowned me and the funny the only reason i have these memories is i was i kept extensive notes yeah kept extensive notes they wiped my brain when I left. Charlie, is this a is this a partnership between the U.S. Olympic Committee and the Deep State, or is it the Deep State, you know, where the U.S. Olympic Committee identifies certain athletes and sends them there, or is this the Deep State coming up and kind of like just taking elite athletes to the Deep State to f- train them further? So they are uh, they are originally not taken; they are produced and then given and then taken back. So the deep state secures our appearance that we are the best. Okay. If an athlete begins to not produce, well... Send them back. We send them back. Okay. And then you produce a new one that's going to eventually take its their place. That explains mm-hmm. that. And most of what makes the, the, the deep state training a mechanism for athletes unique is the ability to use medieval torture methods. Yeah. Yes, yes. So we, uh, it depends on the case. It depends on the case. So for someone uh, who was, say, doing, uh, what is that one where you go, on the ice? No, the curling. The curling, curling for yeah. a curler. We would never mess with a curler's physique. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't on this division, but I had a good friend. who He worked with curlers. Mm-hmm. And, 
For curlers, we just send, uh, we take a fox and we just let them loose. We cover them in meat. We let them run and a fox goes after them because they need to feel like... They need to feel scared. Their life is right. Right. And, uh, you know, it works. Can I... This seems crazy. LeBron James, is he deep state? How are your emotions right in this moment? Right now I'm at a five. You're at a five. Yeah. A five like one being depressed and ten being I could be happy. Six being depressed. And how much do you love LeBron James? I, I love him so uh, The thing about LeBron is that he's technically 34, but he's got the face of a 60-year-old and the hairline of a 60-year-old. And my thing is... I think he might have been engineered. I will say uh, he does very well for what he's given. That's not answering my question. Is he from the deep? Did you guys make LeBron James? Duh. Oh, my God. I don't. I uh, feel like I'm saying too much. Charlie, let me ask you one more question before we go. It's kind of the the root of what we're trying to get at over this whole season. From your perspective, having worked in the deep state, what do you think the ultimate goal of the deep state is? What does the deep state want from the rest of the United States? Yeah, so I uh, I was kicked out of said state. And, you know, I, uh, I served my time and I did what I was supposed to do for my country. I think the deep state just really wants to, you know, on the commune, we all belong. Mm-hmm. We all love. There's an intimacy. Too much love. Some would say not enough. But I think the deep state feels like your friend in high school who you only talk to one-on-one. But then when you were in a group of people, you ignored or bullied. Okay, so there's an ego thing happening here. And so I think by taking all the major athletes, by taking all the major people, by controlling the government, it makes them feel powerful. You know, I think their ultimate goal is is just to take over. But uh, it won't fulfill them in the end. They need love. Just like Charlie the chicken. Just like I don't well, It's a still sensitive topic. So when did Charlie pass? Charlie passed uh, 37 years ago. I only ask you this because there was a New York Times article about a chicken that was... Uh, ripped in half from its anus to its stomach um, in a freak accident. I, I The body was never found for me, for Charlie. There was okay. a few bodies. Okay. Um, but uh, that article was published a week after I woke up in the deep state. A week after? Yes. I went to college. Charlie was safe. I went to deep state. Charlie was gone. There was an anus ripped open from a chicken. Okay. Wow. I actually have one more question. Wh- yes, what, what got you kicked out of the deep state? Yes, so I uh, I developed a puzzle. So part of my uh, part of my training was I would develop these puzzles for athletes. Hi, this is Cooter Davenport, and we're not exactly sure what happened at the end of our interview with athletic trainer and friend of farm animals, Charlie. You will have noticed that when Charlie began discussing her puzzle experiments with Olympic athletes, there was a frequency change in our recording output. 
We don't know what that was, but it was accompanied by a flickering of the recording studio lights and the smell of hydrogen sulfide combined with wet flame and hot Cheetos. Anyway, I want to thank our guest this week, Charlie. It was fascinating to hear about his or her experiences training elite athletes using the rack and other millennia-old torture methods. And a big thank you to my co-host this week, Ford Hanger. Next week, we'll talk to Katrina Sheepfrost, a mortuary assistant from Ponderosa Pine, New Mexico, who believes the deep state's interest in the constitutional state is mostly an effort to gain control of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Sheeprost has written on several message boards that the deep state wants to change the regulations around imports of exotic animals to the U.S., especially terrapins and some monkeys, which she says play an important role in the deep state's food pyramid. Thanks for listening to Optophobia. I'm Cooter Davenport, and I'll leave you with this. Think of one place, anywhere on Earth, that you would go to be truly and peacefully by yourself. Then go there. And stay there, because nobody likes you. If you've got theories about what the deep state really wants, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website at optophobia.org or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at at optophobes. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thank you to Donna Steele, who played Charlie. Donna performs with Hellcat and Colossus. You can follow her on Instagram and Twitter at at Donna A. Steele. Jamal Newman played Clifford Hanger. Jamal performs with Lena Dunham and Nixon. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at at HelloNewman and find him at JamalNewman.com. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Music by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open. You clearly fucked your chickens. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs>